0: From the White Letter Production Studios in Los Angeles, California, I'm Ellie Unger-Sargon, and this is The Cut Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for coming to the screening of Cut here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're glad you're here. A few little details about the venue here at uh, Covenant United Methodist Church. The restrooms are out these doors and to your left, down the hall on the left. Um,
1: There's refreshments out there for you, water and cookies, help yourselves. Okay, Okay. and if you could all please turn your cell phones off or to vibrate silent, whatever. Uh, There are, after the show there's going to be DVDs for sale out in the foyer. Um, And we are accepting donations, Um, Ellie has to get across the country, (laughs) he needs gas money. Uh, Donations also go to uh, the whole network, um, the local organizers, the venue, um, and suggested donation is $4 per person, $2 for students, low income, but anything helps, obviously. Um, And I think that's about it. Without further ado, this is our filmmaker, Eliyahu Ungar Sargon.
0: Thanks so much for coming out and thank you for having me. Hello Albuquerque. It's good to be here. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to show you um, my first feature-length documentary, Cut. Um, It's a documentary film. It's 70 minutes long and uh, after the film we'll have uh, some question and answers. when a person comes around with the microphone, don't expect it to amplify. It's just for the podcast, and uh, it's just to record the sound, not to amplify your voice. Um, and then after the question and answer session, I'm going to show a five minute trailer for my next film, the project that I've been working on now for three years uh, People Without a Land. And then we'll be selling DVDs. There's a special sale price today for people who have come to the screening. Um, It's $20 for a single unit, and if you buy more than one, it's $15 per DVD. They make great gifts for expectant parents, uh, anyone interested in the subject, and we accept cash, and uh, we can accept any major form of credit card, thanks to the miracles of modern technology. So thank you so much for coming, and uh, if you bear with me for a few seconds here, I'll get us started with the film. Thanks so much for coming. Before we start the Q&A, I just wanted to thank, really thank um, Carol Fidel and uh, Heather Hughes Price for putting this screening together. I really appreciate all the hard work you did, and Carol and Mark for hosting me. That was, was, it's been wonderful. And I even got a chance to see a little bit of Albuquerque, which was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Let's give a, a little bit of a hand to them. All right, so let's uh, let's kick off the Q&A. The,
2: the gentleman who was talking, he was talking about Jewish doctors, named all the Jewish doctors, then he named a doctor of urinary tract infection. Now, did he say the guy's name was Tom Wiswell?
0: That's correct. Uh-huh. Just checking. Yeah, yeah. no, that's right. Thomas Wiswell, uh Army doctor who... Um, did a lot of research in army hospitals on this subject. A lot of people now think that research was severely flawed for a number of reasons. Um, there are some other inescapable double entendres well, in this newer, field. there were,
2: but that one, that one kind of stood out. Yeah.
0: Um, There's uh, a researcher of the uh, Meisner's corpuscles in the foreskin named Dong, so there you go. It, uh, it, it never ends. I
2: went to a, sc- a school with a guy named Moses Fallis, so who turned out to be a doctor. Now, personally, I'm I'm Jewish. Um, I don't believe in I, I don't believe in doing violence to anybody. And certainly, if if you're not Jewish, you I say there's no reason for you to be circumcised. But there really isn't a reason for you to be circumcised just for the violent act of it. Period. Many many millions of men around the planet not circumcised, very happy. You know, for me, my father was the sole survivor of his family from the Holocaust, and it was his greatest joy to start a family so I'm grateful that I could provide for my father so he could give me a bris for his happiness and I've never ever had any problem. yeah, I heard your brother, and I kind of I think every man goes, "Well, what could have been but I'm glad I could provide that, I'm, I've, and I've never had a problem. I've always known that it is my covenant with God, and my covenant because I'm a Jew. And as far as I'm concerned, nobody else has any, not not any right, but if you do it for a religious reason, not saying it's right like your father said, not saying it's right or wrong. Whatever makes my children happy makes me happy, even though I might have another opinion about it.
0: You so. Know? I have a question for you, if that's all right. I know that's a little bit of a reversal of roles, but um, since you've said that, um, one of the things that strikes a lot of people, and it's occurred to me recently about the practice of circumcision um, that's particularly strange is the timing. Um, Now, I can give you historical reasons for the timing, but if we're talking sort of in 2011 about doing this to eight-day-old babies, just on the theoretical level, don't you think it would have more of a significance to a sentient individual, to someone who understood what was going on, than someone who was sort of abstractly reflecting back on an act that they have no memory for? Sure,
2: they'd all say no. Forget it. You're gonna cut (laughs) me? Forget it. I'm giving back my Jewish card. You know? I do happen to know uh, uh, I want to say quite a few, at least four or five Jewish men who uh, became religious later in life And did have it done later in life when it, can, and I mean, some of these men were in their 30s. I did have a couple of friends that were circumcised, but not by a moil, by a rabbi. And they had it done against ceremonies, as as a ceremony, but they actually drew some blood. And they weren't very happy either. But I think it's your, if you believe that it's your religious thing, even at the age of 18, uh, you'll do it.
0: Right, and I think that's what it comes down to uh, yeah. for a lot of people um, and a lot of Jews, and there are Jews, it must be said there are Jews who are unhappy that it was done that's to them. True. And I would
2: say at the age of 13 is probably not the right age, <laughs> right. you know, not the right age. 18 might be. might be better, 21, you know, 30, probably you know if you're going to do it or not. But I w- I'll just say that my, my mother um, had to have a certain moil. He was very elderly, his hand shook. But she was very pleased with his work.
0: All right. Uh, Any other comments, questions?
1: Um, I have a couple. One being,
0: um, I know that it's like the United States and Israel that kind of are the only ones
1: doing this. What are your thoughts as to why the United States jumped on this and no other industrialized country?
0: That's a good Uh, question. And I should clarify because... uh, It may be a little misleading, the statistic I threw up at the end there, the association between Israel and the United States. It is true, if you look very closely at my wording, that these are the last countries in the world to perform routine infant circumcision. There are other cultures that perform circumcision at later ages, and it must be noted. South Korea is a very interesting example from the U.S. uh, military influence in that country. South Korea has adopted a very high rate of circumcision, but they do it at a much later age. They do it to boys who are aware of what's being done and when they hear about infant circumcision, one of the things they say, well, that's silly. What are they going to learn from that? And they see the pain as being part of the learning experience.
2: Is it the boy's choice or is it a parent's?
0: I think it's cultural pressures and I don't know that you can really talk about choice at that age, um, but um, it's done for slightly different reasons there and at a very different age. Of course in the Muslim world it's universally practiced, but there again it's not infant circumcision typically. It's right. variable ages, but usually sort of a coming of age ceremony in that part of the world. To your question on the how it became established in the United States, um, it isn't that the United States is the only industrialized country in the world that did it. There was a time not too long ago when many English-speaking countries uh, had very high rates of circumcision—Canada, Australia, New Zealand—anywhere where the British Empire had, had influence. And um, what happened was, uh, as was mentioned in the film, as Harry mentioned, it was a Victorian fad. So anywhere where the British had influence, it sort of took root. And um, those countries abandoned it um, for very simple reasons. Just to give you a, an example, in the UK, shortly after World War II, a cost-benefit analysis was done on the procedure just from a pure medical perspective. And it was they found that some uh, 16 boys for every 100,000 that were being circumcised were dying. And they just decided that this is just not. From circumcision. C- from circumcision, yeah, they were dying from circumcisions. And so the British, uh, and I I think, by the way, also the fact that they have national health had an impact also, because when you're looking at things on that scale, cost-benefit analyses of that nature are much more important. That's what I was wondering. Um, But they abandoned it shortly after World War II, after this report came out. Um, The other English-speaking countries, uh, for similar reasons. there is no national medical organization in the world or international medical org- organization in the world that recommends this f- for medical reasons, despite all of the thousands of studies that have been done on the so-called benefits. Um, and the United States is the remaining sort of leader in the industrialized world in infant circumcision, and there are a lot of reasons for that. And and the, they range from the sort of mundane, which is that it has become an embedded practice to the extent that it is just the norm, although that's changing. Um, and then there are some very important things that need to be said about um, gender and uh, how how our culture treats violence against males and violence against females. And there's, um, there's definitely uh, discrepancy there. Um, and I think circumcision is a very good example. I mean, if you talk to an average person on the street, the concept of uh, female genital cutting is abhorrent, and the concept of male genital cutting is kind of like, okay, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have it done, but maybe it's not so offensive. But you know, it's kind of what people do, and maybe we want to look like everyone else looks like, and and that, in and of itself, should tell you a lot about um, the way we look at violence against males versus violence against females. Thank you.
2: So, and, and I know, like what you said, I know that it's some, um, there are some tribal traditions around the world that do it, but I think it kind of, it became such a norm that it's just like another, I hate to say it, but it's like, it's like another little upcharge when you're in the hospital. Are we going to circumcise you? Great. Write the check. You know, that kind of thing. So it became the same way that that allopathic medicine took over for midwives because until they saw that it was a money maker, they weren't interested in touching a woman, especially during birth
0: yeah yeah and and i I think it's also important to note that it it um, it is so deeply embedded in our culture um, for a number of different reasons that it transcends boundaries of you know male and female and like I showed in the film um, you know there there are men who are in favor of circumcision and there are women who are in favor of circumcision and they're all and you'll notice this if, if just anecdotally if you talk to people about circumcision you know it's everyone saying the same kinds of things and it's not like True. men are more pro or con or women are more pro or con it's just sort of that deep in our culture at this point. It is, it
1: is. With the uh recent defeat of the circumcision in San Francisco, the circumcision ban. Uh, do you think if they had left or put um, what am I trying to say? If they put something in there about, you know, religious reasons, if they had excluded religious practices from the ban, do you think it would have had a better chance?
0: So that's a really interesting question. If there had been a religious exemption um, for the San Francisco ballot initiative, would it have had a better chance of surviving? And I think there, I think there are two things that need to be said about that. The first thing is that um, I think if it had a religious exemption, it would lose a lot of its moral and legal impact. Uh, that's the first thing. I think that it, it seems clear to me that anyone who thinks about this rationally um, and thinks about the sort of rights violations that are involved here understands that um, even if you want to frame it as a conflict of rights, of re- the religious right of the parent versus the right to body integrity of the infant. Well, the right to body integrity always trumps, or almost always, you know, unless you're talking about some sort of extreme case, would trump the right of the parent. But really, I think maybe an even better way of talking about this is just, in general, um, you can't use religion as an excuse. and I'm saying this with full sensitivity and without trying to sort of, you know, be offensive, but you you can't use religion as an excuse to do anything. And when you think about it from that perspective and you think about this as a human rights violation, um, it becomes very hard for me to imagine um, an ethically sort of impactful initiative that made a religious exemption. It, It would seem hypocritical because in a way you would be Um, denying the importance of the rights of Muslim and Jewish boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and legally also, I'm I'm not a legal scholar, but I I kind of feel like that would be problematic for its own reasons. Um, That aside, whether or not the bill would have fared better is a very interesting question I don't have the answer to. I suspect it probably wouldn't have. I suspect some of the same forces that were marshaled against it would have been marshaled regardless. In regardless. And I, I think um, one of the elements, I mean, there are, <laughs> you know, the intactivists went up against um, organized American Jewry. Um, and I don't know that they knew who they were dealing with, um, but they're dealing with one of the most organized groups in the country, and I say that with admiration. I think that that's not being organized and being effective in a democracy is a very good thing. Um but I think um the results sort of speak for themselves in terms of um you know what was what, what happened and who won. Yeah. And um I I I do think though that um there was some pushback from the medical establishment too. I think that, that um I don't think doctors uh, like to be told what they can or can't do in hospitals.
1: And they, that they can't make so much extra money per circumcision.
0: Yeah, I tend to not emphasize the financial motivation too much, um, although, you know, you can look at it and if you break down the numbers, clearly there is a financial incentive and there's an industry for the instruments and there's an industry for the discarded foreskins for all sorts of um, medical testing and stuff like that. But. Um, I just think uh, constitutionally, and I know a lot of doctors, and I went to medical school, and I think constitutionally doctors don't like to be told by the law what they can or can't do in their practices. So I I think that there probably would have been opposition from that side, even if it hadn't been so strong from organized American Jewry. Any other questions, comments? Thoughts all right, well, thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate it it 's been really wonderful coming to Albuquerque and getting to know a city i haven 't known. Did it, take you to make the movie? it took me eighteen months and I completed it actually in two thousand and seven. Okay. Um,
2: what was the funniest moyle joke you heard?
0: Oh my goodness
2: <laughs> you tell yours i 'll tell mine. <laughs>
0: You know, i got to tell you, I, uh, I kind of blocked them out. And that, on that point, I should mention, some people ask me why my film isn't funnier. Well um, oh, I thought there was good humor in it. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. And I did try to have a little bit of comic relief at certain points. But I like
2: the father, the father, not the father, but whoever was given the baby wine, he was nervous, like, just, just should have poured it in. Like, have, quick, quick, drink, drink, and a lot.
0: Yeah, um... On that point, and it's just a point of interest. I, I happen to know a lot about the subject. So um, that's one of the most bizarre turns in this whole story of medicalized circumcision is that um, it was believed for, like, a really long time that giving a baby um, water infused with a little bit of sucrose would have some kind of anesthetic effect on the baby. I, I don't know how this came about. I don't know why. I mean, it's now been conclusively disproven. They actually did studies on this. Um, but the notion, and, and of course, for a long time, it was believed that babies didn't feel pain. All of these things are very, you know, when you start, these are like red flags to me. When you start reading about this sort of stuff, and you're kind of like, what? Babies don't feel pain? And what? Sugar water is going to act as an anesthetic? Starts to sort of bring to mind that maybe there are other motivations behind behind this than just sort of the purely you know health based or medically based.
2: Make with the joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I know I, I got nothing, man. I um and I intentionally uh, coming back to that point, I intentionally did not make my film humorous um yeah, because I. Must have
2: heard of these one
0: well, why don't you tell yours? And well, I'll I, yeah,
2: I, I, yeah, I can only use it to one-up you. It's probably the same joke.
0: Go ahead. Go for it.
2: So, Moyle's 90 years old. After all the years, he kept all his tips. Takes it to his friend, the tailor. Says, Jacob, make me something. Said, what am I gonna make you? Said, make me something. Comes back in a couple weeks. What'd you make me? I made you a wallet. A wallet. Says, I have a wallet. He see yeah, But if you rub it a little, it turns into a suitcase. And that's probably the oldest Moyle joke.
0: <laughs>
2: you never heard, you didn't hear that one. I've heard it, You have
0: heard, heard it, it, yeah. Now, again, I, I try not to, to do the joke so much, and, but I, I want to I address it because you will never be to a brisk without hearing at least half, joke. A, half a dozen mm-hmm. mole jokes, circumcision that's jokes. That's the cleanest one
2: I could tell right here.
0: That's fine. But it, it is important to note that the presence of humor in such a striking fashion around this subject, I think is actually a defense mechanism. And I think um, it's one of those sort of signs that you see, okay, people aren't entirely comfortable with this very, you know, embedded cultural practice. And part of the way that they handle that discomfort is by telling jokes and by making light. And, you know, in one of the brisses that you saw in the film, uh, my cousin, where uh, my aunt is, is walking away with the baby and crying Ryan, about says, what had been done. Like yeah, he says he took he, it like a man. He took it like a baby, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I mean that's that that is a an ever present feature in uh, in in the birth ceremony, and I, and again, I think it's a defense mechanism, and I think it's very telling that mm. um, that it's it's such a prominent feature. That's our show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email them to us at cutdocumentary at gmail.com and if you like what you've heard today please support us by buying our film at www.cutthefilm.com